Sports Radio, 92.7 FNZ. Final hour of the Nick Wilson Show. If you missed any of today's show, WFNZ.com for the full hours, bits, interviews, and whatnot. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to the Nick Wilson Show podcast. We got a loaded final hour for you before Bailey takes over at two. We got uh, the Mark Spain real estate Nick pick. Don't ask me how it's been going. Uh, but we got that coming up at uh, uh, 140. We also got what you're burning on, your chance to get in on the show. You guys can also answer our five questions, our, our daily 1240 segment at Nick Wilson says at WFNZ. Uh, my favorite one today was probably what actor would you would you have play you in a show about your life? Our next guest is going to answer those questions at the end of our interview. But right now, he's here to talk about Steve Clifford. He's here to talk about the Carolina Panthers. He's here to talk all things Charlotte and Queen City sports. Will Kunkel of the Relatable Journey podcast. You can find that everywhere. You can find podcasts, Queen City News, and Charlotte Sports Live, the nightly sports broadcast at 11 p.m. every night on Queen City News. Joins us on the guest line. What's up, buddy? Oh man, thanks for having me, dude. How you doing? We're uh, we're doing all right. I I still I can be honest with you, man. I I put so much stock into the Hornets finally turning the corner over the last two years. I still don't know how to feel about the direction of the Hornets over the last two months. What if if I ask you for one word to describe from the Borrego firing till the Clifford hiring? How would you describe the last two months for the Charlotte Hornets? Ah, man, that's a good question. I think it, it felt turbulent, and it felt nondescript at times, but I, I don't want to give a word to describe it while we're in the middle of it. Because as long as we land that plane safely and soundly, and we're at the destination we want to be, I think that's the most important thing, and I think Steve Clifford is the right hire. I think it's a good hire, but the process obviously felt emotional. It felt like a bump in the road. It felt like we got hammered by the national media and we looked stupid and our pride and our ego were hit as Hornets fans. But I don't know if that matters when all is said and done and it's time to play basketball. So let's go to the right hire thing. Is he the right hire given what happened with Kenny Atkinson or would he have been the right hire after letting go of James Borrego? Um, well, I think they kept, they check similar boxes so whether I don't I don't know how different they truly are. Now I guess it really is going to come down to relationships, as coaching always does. Who would have made the Who would have created the best relationship with Lamelo and Miles Bridges, most importantly, and just obviously the rest of the roster, of course. But I think they can probably both coach. Clifford is more proven; he has head coaching experience. Mitch said that he wanted a head coach with some experience, and Clifford's got significantly more than Atkinson. But both of those guys are very similar. They both like to coach their teams. They like to coach players and make them better. Now, hopefully, this roster likes to be coached because, as we saw in Brooklyn, when Atkinson was there, he was run out because those guys did not like to be coached, unfortunately. So I like the hire, and they're very similar to Atkinson, frankly. Well, let's look at... um... Let's look at yesterday's press conference between Mitch Kupchak and, and Steve Clifford reintroducing Steve Clifford. What were the what were the biggest things you took away from hearing Mitch and Steve talk about the hire and the direction of this organization? I think it was important that they acknowledged 
that Steve Clifford, his style last time he was here was different. And that was because he had a different roster. And as Steve said, it was not as good of a roster as he has now. And then he talked about the fact that they had the eighth-best offense, and he wants to build on that. He doesn't want to slow it down and just pound it inside because it's the way that he played here last time, and he's stubborn, and he wants to fix, put round pegs in square holes. I mean, he w- it would be stupid of him to do that. It would be smart, obvious, and easy to say, hey, LaMelo Ball, go be the best player on the team. Miles Bridges, go be a star. So that's what he's going to let them do, but he's going to also make the offense better, like he said, as well as improve the defense. I thought it was interesting that he said, you know, everyone's saying we just need to get better on defense. And, yeah, we do. But we also can get better on offense, which means up-tempo. And he acknowledged the game has changed since he was here last time and that they are playing more up-tempo and shooting threes in the league more than they had ever done before. So it was good to hear him reflect on how he wants to become better and how the game has changed versus, nope, this is the way I do it and this is the way we're going to do it and the boys better step up. Will, looking to the James Booknight news, he's going to be out in uh, out for summer league. Uh, had a finger injury. Do we know what what led to the finger injury that will now keep him out in the summer league? I hadn't heard. I was so busy yesterday, I forgot to kind of reach out and, and see what that was. It could be a myriad of things knowing Booknight, um, but I actually think it's bigger news than we might be letting on to right now because. You know, we were bogged down with Clifford and then Miles Bridges, Mitch saying that they're going to bring him back. Because if it was big news that he was going to play in the G League or in the Summer League and that he needed that because Mitch wants to see him get more minutes, then it's obviously big news that he's not playing. And the Summer League is big for these type of guys that haven't had a lot of minutes in the NBA, hence he was going to play. So I think this is it's not good. It's not the end of his season or career or anything like that crazy. But it just it takes away a, a, a developmental step for him where he could have grown and learned, and unfortunately he won't be able to play. Will, uh, and by the way, Will Kunkel, Queen City News, Charlotte Sports Live every night, 11 p.m. And don't forget to check out the A Relatable Journey podcast everywhere you can find podcasts. But Will joining us on the guest line here. I've asked everybody this question. I've probably asked you this question 12 times as well. But <laughs> it is, uh, it's June 29th, and it's time to ask you again. Who starts week one at quarterback for the Carolina Panthers? I haven't changed my philosophy and my thinking on this since the end of the season. And I heck, I posted one of my rants on the show months ago saying it needs to be Sam Darnold. Whether or not that's what your emotion says, I know so many fans were fed up with them. Well, just being fed up with a guy is not enough to go get another guy. It's got to be a significant upgrade. It's got to make sense financially. It's got to make sense for the future. There's a lot of boxes you have to check versus your emotions. So Sam Donald's the guy. And I've said before on Charlotte Sports Live over and over again, Sam will be better than last year. How much of a gap that is, I don't know. And I can't predict that. But the fact that he's going to be able to hopefully stay on his feet more than his back like he was last season, he will by default get better. That's how the quarterback position works. That's how the game of football works. Protect your quarterback. Your offense will be better. And if your quarterback's running for the rest of his life, he ain't going to be any good no matter who it is anyway. All right, Will, what is a under-the-radar name? Second-year player, third-year player, uh, young player that you think is going to make a, a bigger impact on the Panthers this year than other people are might be expecting or have, have talked about? I don't know who will. But I, it better be Yitor Gross Matos or Davion Nixon because the defensive line is not very good 
opposite of Brian Burns at this point. And they have got to get pressure on that quarterback. It's as much as we got to protect Sam, it's the same it's the opposite when you're on defense. You got to wreck the other team's quarterback and if they're not getting there, you're in trouble. And they thankfully we have one of the better secondaries we've had in a long time, but the linebacking spot outside of Shaq, it looks kind of weak at this moment. So someone on that defensive line has to step up for Hassan Reddick. It is a huge loss, and we'll see how big of a loss it is until Frankie Louvu or Yitor Grossmanto step off off the edge. All right. It's time for it. Are you ready to answer the five questions from today's show there, Will Kunkel? I'm excited. I'm nervous. This is the first time we've done this together, so I'm nervous too. First time's always a little scary, Nick. We'll figure it out together. Number one. How many wins for Carolina in 2022? Gosh, I got to give this out already. You, all right, you can uh, change it. I'm not going to hold you in to this. You know, two months from now. I, I think that the, I think Vegas kind of has this nail on the head. I, I think the range is reasonably pretty large because it's so dependent on Sam. But I'm going to say I have it as a high of seven at this moment. A high of seven. Okay. We're right there, by the way, together. Uh, what actor would you choose to play you in a show about your life? Denzel Washington. Oh, I already got Denzel, but it's okay. He can, he can do both. Uh, which day of the week is the best? Um, listen, I love Mondays because I love what I do, and I love Thursdays because of the anticipation for Friday, and I love Sundays because it's game day and it's Saturday because I'm off. I'm a big, like, I'm, I'm excited to be alive kind of guy. How about that, Nick? No, no, no riding the fence on this, Kunkel. I asked for one damn day of the week that you think is the best. I'm going to need you to choose one. I'm going to go best day of the week is Thursday. Okay, because if you had said Monday, I, I was going to call you a psychopath on the earth. I, I like being alive, too, but Monday is a, is a is the worst day of the week. It's okay. Which I like Thursday because a lot of news drops that day, so we have better shows that day, it seems like. like The energy around the city is, is always fun, especially in season on Thursdays. Maybe we should like Fridays more because that's the only day. Friday's about 5.30 when the Hornets will announce their uh, coaching, their coaching hires. See, Nick, no. See, stop that. Come on, man. No. Positive. <laughs> Which sport consumes most of your time after the NBA Finals ends and, and Stanley Cup Finals? Because I know what you're going to do there. After the NBA and NHL Finals end and before training camp starts. What else? Isn't it just baseball? The New York Yankees being the best team in baseball history after 70-some-odd game. So with that said, I'm very nervous about this roster in the playoffs. I don't think it's a playoff roster, and I don't think we have much success, but I'm going to yuck it up and enjoy it while I can. Well, thoughts and prayers to Yankees fans. I know I know you guys have had a tough history. T- t- tough history in New York. All right, final one. What is your favorite leftovers to eat? Ooh, that's, wow. This is emotional for me. I love food. Um Oh, dear. I mean, pizza's kind of like a go-to. But take the time to put the pizza in the oven. Put it in the microwave. You deserve to be slapped open-handed in the face with baby powder. Uh, I think it's got to be pizza, but just put it in the oven. Like, pizza's good no matter what. I can't. I, I, I am so proud of you. There are two we, two ways to eat old pizza. The first one is cold. The second one, put it in the oven, take the time, and you will get the superior leftover product. I'm so proud of you. Great stuff, buddy. 
Man, thank you. I needed that today. It's Wednesday. Let's go. Yeah, but Monday still sucks. Just so we're clear, Monday's still a real problem. Follow this man on Twitter, at WillKunkleFox. Uh, again, check out the A Relatable Journey podcast everywhere you get your podcast, And don't forget to check out Charlotte Sports Live, 11 o'clock at night on Queen City News. Uh, we've got a lot to get into, uh, some of which you just heard from Will Kunkel there. I want to react to that and react to what one national analyst thinks of the future of the Carolina Panthers quarterback position on Sports Radio 92.7 FNC. Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. Welcome back to the Nick Wilson Show. Coming up in 20 minutes, final segment of the show, including the Mark Spain Real Estate Nick Pick, and also what you're burning on your chance to get into the show. So we were just talking about uh, with Will Kunkel, who starts week one at the quarterback position. Uh, he said Sam Darnold. And it was funny because earlier on the show, I uh, I shared a story. I embarrassed myself uh, on air by sharing a story of I went to go use the restroom I normally do. It's the executive bathroom uh, for the men over here. It was taken. And in a moment of desperation, I went right next door to the, to the woman's bathroom. And then uh, by, by doing something that's chotch, the universe, uh, you know, rewarded me karmatically uh, when, when Pam tried to get into the bathroom. So... And again, it is a single bathroom. It's not like bathroom stalls together because I would never do that. But I say that to say when we were talking about that, somebody was like, did you really just spend a segment on on, on, on the bathroom, on, on poop? And I was like, in fairness, I've spent two and a half years on the Matt Rule era talking about Panthers quarterback, <laughs> which is effectively the same thing. All right, my biggest bathroom pet peeve is having to read breaking news, crappy breaking news about the Carolina Panthers on Twitter while going to the bathroom. However, it's been interesting. I I just, guys, and I said this earlier, I'm going to say this again. Until I see Sam Darnold or Matt Corral step out of that field week one against Cleveland, I'm not going to believe it's going to happen. I refuse to, I, I refuse to suspend disbelief and imagination that at the most important position in the NFL, a team can be so delinquent in their attempts, not their attempts, in so futile in their ability to land an upgraded quarterback. If Sam Darnold was not making $19 million a year, if they didn't pick up the fifth-year option, Sam Darnold will not be on this roster right now. There's nothing that he did last year. The only reason... Why Sam Darnold is still a Carolina Panther. It's because a year ago, they made a foolish decision to guarantee his fifth-year option. There's nothing he did. I want to say that again. There's nothing he did that justifies him starting this year in Carolina. Other than he's making $19 million a year. Start there and then work to the idea that Matt Corral might be somebody someday. That someday might be this year. But if my might is my starting quarterback. He could also be he could also be uh who's that schlub in Buffalo? Nathan Peterman. Who was a fourth round pick that was forced out onto the field way too early through what five picks in this first game and has never really recovered in his NFL career. If Matt Corral starts week 1 and that's who he is, 
That's how you're starting your season. He goes in the turlet uh, to keep the bathroom thing going. If he goes in the turlet week one, what the hell are you doing from there? It would be a slap in the face for the Carolina Panthers to 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 have either Sam Darnold or Matt Corral start week one. I'm not saying I'm saying that I I don't want that for you, the longtime tried and true Panthers fan. But this Baker Mayfield stuff with Cleveland, I still put it at about a one percent chance that Baker were to stay in Cleveland. But man, as soon as they, I think we're. My mood is going to shift based off of how quickly or or how much of a suspension Deshaun Watson gets. Because if Deshaun Watson gets 17 or more games, I'm going to be concerned that that's going to force the Cleveland Browns to make a mea culpa with Baker Mayfield and keep it in Cleveland. And I said with Sam Darnold starting week one, I'm going to put the the Panthers winning seven games this year. And I might be being generous. Baker, probably a 9 or 10 win team. Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe it's eight wins instead of seven wins. You're still winning. You're still winning in spite of or neither in spite of or because of your quarterback. So with that in mind, Matt Miller did his first mock draft of 2023. And let me tell you, this is not a criticism of Matt Miller, who is a friend of the show, good dude. We got his brother Mello on all the time. Uh, they do great stuff on draftscout.com. But nothing screams to me, ESPN has nothing to talk about in June, like an, a, a first mock draft for the next college football season or for the next uh, NFL season being released before college football camp even gets underway. However, Matt Miller was on first take this morning, and he had the Panthers taking Bryce Young, a quarterback Alabama, a quarterback out of Alabama, in in his first mock draft. And here's the explanation. For Bryce Young, it is almost impossible to find a comp for a player who's listed at six foot and 194 pounds. I don't believe he's that tall. I actually don't believe he weighs that much either. But his game is similar to Kyler Murray in the way he distributes the ball from the pocket. He's a point guard at the position. He's going to set up his guys to win with yards after catchability, with great touch and timing and anticipation. But you're not getting those elite traits or measurables that you're going to get from someone like C.J. Stroud and some of the other quarterbacks in this 2023 class as well. So I'll say it again. It's way too early to have a mock draft for 2023 but is Bryce Young the guy that you're uh you're tanking for I don't know and and by the way I don't think there's a definitive guy I would lean towards CJ Stroud of Ohio State I think Tanner McKee of Stanford's really interesting I think a guy who might end up being drafted a hell of a lot higher uh, he didn't he didn't play enough last year would have been probably a top 10 pick this year if not for an injury uh, Phil Jerkovic is being slept on as well. My boy Phil Jerkovic, is he a pocket passer? Yes. But I think I think going back for a third year as a starting quarterback at Boston College might end up being one of the best things for him. But I like Jerkovic. There's, uh, I like uh, Cunningham out of Louisville. There's tons of dudes that I really am intrigued by going into this year. But Bryce Young, and I want to see Bryce Young ball out again. And I'm pretty confident that he will. And I think it's I think it's good that Bryce Young's going to be a starter for a second year at Alabama. But that size thing with him. 
And you know what's funny? Here's another thing with uh, with Bryce Young, because we bring up C.J. Stroud. Everybody goes, who's the best Ohio State quarterback to, to go into the NFL? And it's fair. Justin Fields was bad last year, although I think that's about the situation and you know coaching that he received. But Dwayne Haskins was not a success in Washington or Pittsburgh. Uh, J.T. Barrett is not an NFL quarterback. Cardell Jones was in... Uh, was was a bust in Buffalo in L.A. I get it. Why is nobody saying that about Alabama right now? Tua Tungavailoa has been an out-and-out bust in the NFL. Who's the other jabroni that was taken? Oh, Mac Jones was a good quarterback. Did anybody watch Mac Jones last year and think franchise quarterback? Because I sure as hell didn't. He looked like a mid-quarterback. He looked like, hey, congrats, you're Teddy Bridgewater Plus. Good for you. But, like, it's funny to me that we hold all these isms against specific schools and and not a place like Alabama, who also can be said, the same things can be said. And it's also funny, I'm just going to, this is uh, apropos of nothing, while Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, who become studs in the NFL, why don't we then swing the other way? DJ Uyunglele struggled in his first year, why don't we... Swing the other way and say, well, DJ's going to figure it out this year and be a top five pick next year because that's what happens when you're a quarterback at Clemson. But I digress. Do you think the Panthers are going to be in a position to take a quarterback next year? And I'm talking with a top three pick because that's what I'm assuming Bryce Young is going to be. Bagel guy saying, yes, Bryce Young. Uh, yes, Bryce Young would be the guy that he, uh, that he would uh, tank for if you were. I don't think there's any scenario. I shouldn't say any scenario because that's really definitive. I think if you put up the 100 simulations of the Panthers series season, I don't think there's a way that they finish with less wins than last year unless it involves having to play a like a, somebody not on the roster right now or P.J. Walker or who's the kid uh, Cheeks, old clapping Cheeks from Elon. Having to play him for more than half the season and Matt Rule gets fired. For them to have a top three pick, because again, this is a much better roster than it was a year ago. The offensive line fixes are here. They have more depth at running back and wide receiver. They have more depth in their secondary. They've got better safety options or better uh, uh, options at starting safety. They've got better depth at the linebacker spot. The defensive line is probably the one thing I'm not sure is better, but I'm also not convinced it's worse, even though they traded out Hassan Reddick for Yitor Grossmatos and Marquise Haynes. Even if the bottom falls out this season, I think they're a four or five win team. I think they have a much higher floor than they've had in a while. And if, if Sam Darnold or Matt Corral don't ball out, that's problematic. Now, they can open up space next year. Like if Baker's a free agent next year and he's not tagged by Cleveland or or he doesn't get traded, he plays out in Cleveland, doesn't get tagged, Baker's going to be available. There will be veteran quarterbacks to chase. But I think you'll be chasing them with the eighth or ninth pick. I don't think you're going to get one of these rookies unless you trade up. I think that's probably the only way the Panthers crawl into the top three next year, and that is luck. Because then you're hoping the, t- the the a team with the top three pick doesn't need a quarterback. And even then, you're probably not getting the number one quarterback. 
So do we really want to settle for the third best quarterback next year? Is that worth it with Sam Darnold and Matt Corral? It isn't for me. The time is now. 704-570-9610. number saying there's always Cam again. I don't see a lot of difference between Cam, Sam, and Corral. I don't. I just, I think they are all, they all have a, well, I would say Matt Corral probably has a better upside. Uh, Sam has a significant upside. I don't think he's going to reach it, but Sam has a significant upside. I just think the reality for Sam and Cam is effectively very similar. Josh from Moorhead City saying, please do not tell me you're an Ohio State fan. If so, name the last quarterback to ball in the NFL. I don't know if you just joined us, Josh, uh, but that was the point that I'm making. Also, I grew up an Ohio State fan, and Ohio State fans turned me off being an Ohio State fan. Juan M. saying, the this time last year, Spencer Rattler was a top five mock draft quarterback. By the way, Spencer Rattler could also be one of the guys that ended up back in the first rounder this year if he balls out at South Carolina. That would be an interesting one, by the way. It would be really, really interesting to see if Spencer Rattler balls out this year at South Carolina and Bryce Young balls out again at Alabama. It'll be really interesting to see what teams favor in that scenario. Because a year ago, Spencer Rattler was on track to be the number one pick. That's a great point there by... Uh, by Juan. And I think what this comes down to is what teams do you look around and say, or how many teams, the whole picture, how many teams do you see are worse than the Carolina Panthers in the NFL? Because I think Seattle, I, I still don't think Baker Mayfield makes any sense for Seattle. They got a 70-year-old head coach. They have a roster that is god-awful outside of Maybe a new, nice, rebuilt offensive line in Jamal Adams. They, they had a good draft, but I think they're two drafts away from being competitive. And I don't, so I don't understand why a stopgap quarterback, which is what he would be there, would make sense there. I think Atlanta is way worse. I think, I think you're going to see Atlanta now that Matt Ryan isn't there to, to hide their deficiencies. I think Matt, I think Atlanta is probably going to have the number two pick or number one pick. Houston. Even with the other Davis in the NFL, we got Davis Cheek, they got Davis Mills. I don't think Houston's going to be that good either. That's at least three teams off the rip that I think the Panthers are definitively, not not just, oh, it, on paper they're better. On paper, in reality, however you want to frame it. So continue to send those in, guys. Again, Matt Miller, Brock's, he mocks Bryce Young to the Carolina Panthers how do the Panthers get high enough in the draft next year to take a quarterback? Do you think that there is a bottom here that if it falls out, the Panthers could have a top three pick? Or like me, do you agree that if they're going to get a top three pick next year, they're going to have to trade for it? Final segment of the show next on Sports Radio FNZ. Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. It is the final segment of the Nick Wilson Show. If you missed any of today's show, like uh, the Will Kunkel interview, we say thank you to Will Kunkel, by the way. That's up on WFNZ.com. If it was Aditi Kinkabwala joining us at noon, that's up on WFNZ.com. Maybe it was the five questions. You can hit that up 
on WFNZ.com. The full hours, interviews, bits, and whatnot. And we do thank our guests, Aditi and Will. They were fantastic today. Uh, in the meantime, we got a lot going on there. Uh, we got the Mark Spain real estate Nick pick coming up in a minute or two. And uh, what you burning on? Interesting thought. Uh, Rob Manfred, MLB commissioner. I don't really understand the... He's he's doing a media push right now. I don't know if it's it's leading up to uh, the All Star break, but he is he is all over. He's on uh, Dom Vanatta's uh, podcast. I saw. I'm actually gonna be listening to that uh, so I can talk about it later. And I think he's doing a couple other interviews, and he just seems to be doing a PR push to to kind of change his image. Here's what I would say: If you'd like to change your image, stop being an ass clown. Like, stop, and listen, that that is not very descriptive. Stop being a bad leader. Rob Manfred has presided over, and this is, this is a guy who took over for Bud Seeley, who damn near wrecked baseball with a 1994 strike. But Rob Manfred has, and oh, by the way, passed the, the guy who initially caused the initial strike by refusing to negotiate with Marvin Miller and... You know, the 1970s where a lot of the cases in free agency or that led to free agency were being adjudicated in courts. Rob Manfred somehow has presided over the most litigious and destructive period of labor relations in baseball history. The other the other ones were tough. The things that led to free agency and baseball just refusing to acknowledge player rights, I'm not saying that was great. The Marvin Miller era where the players' union just destroyed the owners for a long time, I'm not saying that's right. 94, I'm not saying that was quote-unquote better, but the reason why it was more destructive is baseball was king in 1970. In 1994, the strike is what hurt and really almost killed baseball, but it was still incredibly popular. Baseball is still incredibly popular now, but its popularity with the young people in America is waning. And it's not because, as everyone says, oh, it's it's boring. Baseball is boring. Nope. It's because baseball has refused to adapt itself to social media, pace of play, and bringing young people out to the ballpark for the last 25 years. That's why baseball's suffering. So Rob Manfred wants you to know he doesn't hate baseball. He's trying to save baseball. He also just commented here by saying that uh, that expansion is coming, Said teasing expansion in baseball. I do think it's inevitable that baseball gets to 32 teams. I don't think it's happening until the Rays either have a new stadium in Tampa, which I believe would be 2027 or two. It's the end of this decade. So I don't think it's happening until then. And... Until the Oakland A's have either a new stadium in Oakland or have a new home. I I think because Oakland, the A's are the last remaining ticket in Oakland. If you live in Oakland, the Raiders are gone. The Warriors have gone back to San Francisco. You're not driving to San Francisco. You're not driving to San Jose to see the Sharks. The only thing left to see, the only sporting event left in, in Oakland to watch is the A's. So... I do think the A's are going to stay in Oakland long term because there's no competition for those resources anymore. The Rays, I think the Rays are gone. I think the Rays have been a business failure in Tampa since day one. The Dome is awful. Tampa is not a good sports city anyways. And the last thing anybody wants to do in Tampa 
in the middle of June is go inside. And I do think all major league stadiums from now on should be inside a dome. The last thing anybody wants to do in Tampa in the middle of June, July, or August is go into a dome and watch baseball. I think, and I think the leadership there has so destroyed the relations with the, the, the community that I don't think it's happening. It would not shock me within five years if, if the Rays were either in Charlotte or Nashville or in Montreal. But I think that's exciting. As a Charlotteian, I think it's exciting to hear that a relocation and expansion are potentially, as we all have felt it was, is in the near future for Major League Baseball. I think baseball would be stupid not to put a team here. I think Charlotte represents, to me, what Las Vegas represented to a lot of people. There's a crap ton of money in this town, corporate money in this town, and there's a young, excited population just looking for things to do. Now, we're younger than Vegas, so that's the one way that those two areas differ. We don't have the kind of tourism that Vegas has. I think baseball would kill it here if done properly. Bring the Rays to Charlotte. Make it happen. Rob Manfred, MLB commissioner, saying uh, expansion is coming in baseball. In the meantime, let's get to the Mark Spain real estate Nick pick. We are uh, we're struggling right now. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. Last night, out of sure spite, I picked the Mets to beat the Astros by two or more runs. What was the final score of that game, buddy? 9-1 Strohs. Yeah, that did not go the way I wanted it to. However, looking tonight, uh, there are a couple interesting games here. Uh, Texas, or sorry, not Texas, uh, San Diego uh, at Arizona. Mike Clevenger versus Madison Bumgarner. Uh, the, the Diamondbacks are plus 113 at home. You've also got the Tigers versus the Giants uh, on the road, and they are plus 175. You know, it's an interesting one to me. Baltimore is on the road against Seattle. Baltimore, who's actually been better than expected this year, they're plus 117. That's what I'm going to take. I'll take the Orioles on the road at plus 117 over the Mariners. That brings us, sirs and ma'ams, to what you're burning on. 704-570-9610. Give us a call, and we'll give you 30 to 60 seconds for you to let us know uh, what you're burning on. Itty bitty fitty, my friend. My pal, what you burning on, buddy? I'm still just burning on the overreaction that exists with the other Met fans in this building. You're, uh, you're talking about Will Pelagic. Yes. Put it on there. We, we, we have a group chat nicknamed the Amazons for obvious reasons. And every time the Mets lose, Willie P has a complete and utter meltdown. So you're saying Willie Panic rears his head. It just like, I mean, last night. I mean, look, yeah, we were getting absolutely bombed. It was not a good showing last night for, for the Metropolitans. But, I mean, just, ah, oh, season's over. Text me when DeGrom and Scherzer are back. Meanwhile, we're 19 games above 500, second-best record in the NL. You know, maybe maybe we should spend more money. Third-highest payroll in baseball. Well, we haven't beaten anybody. Played the fourth-toughest schedule in all of baseball. And also, we're Met fans. Like, is it part of the collapse, part of just being the Met fan? We enjoy the first 50 to 60 games to then also enjoy the last 100 where we just completely melt down? Like, like Flounder. We give him a, a home run, the first of two home runs in the first inning. Get a text, whelp. Like, what are we doing, guys? 
Like, I don't know. I'm just reserved to the fact I'm going to enjoy what they do. If they win, I'm going to enjoy it. When they lose, I'm still going to sit there and I'm going to enjoy it because I'm a Met fan. I don't expect anything but suffering out of them. Also, Steve Clifford trolling Mac about now being a Met fan because of Buck Showalter made my day, made my entire week. I would like to point out that it's a little hypocritical for it's a little hypocritical for you to call anybody else out for uh, sports panic because you might have superseded Willie Panic as the ultimate panicker. You wanted to fire Hubert Davis oh, like okay. 12 games into the season. You also, from what I've understood, for every like once a week, once every two weeks. I get a text from somebody in the Mets thread complaining about somebody else in the Mets thread and their overreaction. So I'd like to point out there's a little bit of a pot calling the kettle black situation going on between you and Willie P. When it comes to my firing of Huber Davis, that's what the team needed to be motivated to play basketball to my, my standards. Interesting news coming from the NBA, by the way. Uh, the report is out here by the Orlando Sentinel. The Orlando Magic aren't expected to tender a qualifying offer to Mo Bamba by the end of today, which will make him an unrestricted free agent uh, tomorrow. Bring Mo Bamba! Mo, Mo Bamba! Mo, Mo Bamba! I will sing that song all of Thursday if Mo Bamba is brought here and get rid of Mason Plumley. Give me Mo and Mark. Mark and Mo. Mark and Mo. That's what we could call the center position here. We could Mo Bamba to Akuna Matata from the Lion King. All right, I'll give you a chance. Go ahead. Okay, hang on. <laughs> He's like rocking, like trying, trying to find to, I'm the rhythm. I'm trying to get the beat going. He's... Mo Bamba. Okay, you got nothing. Like you got to give me some no, background no, music. It's, it's you. No, like it's you. you not, it's your song. Have you not seen the Lion King song? I have seen it, so but like, you're the one. I gave you La Bamba to Mo Bamba. Like Mo Bamba. <laughs> Do you have any other lines to contribute? No, it's you. You. I gave you something, and you said no, it wasn't no, good I just enough. said we can so Mo you Bamba wanted, to Akuna no, Matata. No, 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 no. You it's said a, it's a wonderful day, Mo Bamba. I don't know all the words. Hakuna Matata. Mo Bamba. No, see, that's where Mo Bamba's going is in front of the Hakuna Matata. What's in between the Hakuna Matata? Literally nobody knows. It's like Nobody's it's a wonderful like, day. Yeah, nobody sings that crap. It's literally Hakuna Matata that people sing. So, so we're just going to Mo Bamba, Mo Bamba, Mo, Mo Bamba? You're the one that suggested it. You're writing the fit song on air, so write the damn fit song. <laughs> I'm burning on that crap. I got to bail you out because you said something stupid we're, on air. We're in a radio relationship. We're a team. Oh, NASCAR Brad, come on, Fitty. Ooh, DJ with a better submission. Mo Bamba number five. I'm not going to sing it. It's on you there, Hoss. I, I, Good I, Lord. I don't know what that means. Uh, you don't know Mambo number five? No. Get the hell off the air. Uh, follow us at Nick Wilson says at HTB underscore Josh. Don't forget uh, to find the full show podcast, WFNC.com. Bailey's up next until tomorrow. At 10 a.m., Nick Wilson for ABV saying stay safe and be good, Charlotte. Lord, I love you, Carolina. Hasta la vista, baby. Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. See you.
Okay. Bye.